night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. I uh, thought uh, Jason was going to be with us tonight. I thought he'd be well enough to do that, but he's going to take another night off. Uh, so our wishes go out to him to get healthy. But uh, hi, I'm JV, and we are going to have another great episode of Beyond Reality Radio tonight. And whether you're listening on a radio station around the country or online, or you're downloading it for listening later, which a lot of people do, and we appreciate every one of those forms of listenership, uh, we just like you to be part of the show. So make sure you stop by the website and the Facebook page. It's Beyond Reality Radio dot com or just beyond reality radio on facebook and give us a like a hello or whatever it happens to be we'd love to have you participate so tonight we're going to talk about black-eyed kids um this is a phenomenon that we've talked about on the show in the past and it's a rather creepy one there's a lot of controversy over what these children are um how they appear what their intentions are what the where they come from um there's just a lot of debate about this. It hasn't happened so frequently that we've got a lot of data. But our guest tonight, Gary Vazzi, is an author, and he's written about a lot of paranormal phenomenon, including black-eyed kids. And I believe he's in England today, but we're going to have him on the program in just a little bit. And we're going to have this discussion, and we'll talk about black-eyed kids, among other paranormal phenomena. And we'll take your calls later in the program as well to participate in the program. Tomorrow night, the shark will be with you. Bruce Markison will be filling in for Jason and I, and uh, he will be hosting Justin Elledge. And uh, Justin is a medical intuitive. He's known as the human MRI. He's going to talk about medical intuition and its application to modern health challenges and new discoveries and practices for enhancing clarity of mind, body, and spirit. And I know uh, as someone who's gone through um, illness with my family quite a bit in the last few years, um, you know, at a point, you, you look for uh, help wherever you can get it. Medical science doesn't have all the answers. In fact, in many cases, it can't do uh, much more than um, either ease some pain or help with comfort. Um, but there are, not, there, there are not cures for a lot of uh, these major diseases that end up claiming lives. And, um, you know, so we're looking at other options. And I'm not, when I say we, I don't mean me personally, but I mean people who have uh, illness in their family or are suffering, suffering illness themselves are looking for help and other options. Maybe it's a way to just get some hope. And um, Justin will talk about, again, uh, medical intuitiveness and medical intuition in uh, tomorrow night's program with Bruce Markison, who will be filling in for Jason and I. Friday night, of course, is a best of program. It is every Friday for now. Although we're working on making Friday a live program as well. And then Monday, uh, Seth Shawstack, who is an astronomer, will be talking about the search for intelligent life in the cosmos. That's always a fascinating topic. Uh, so we've got a lot to talk about in the next few nights. I hope um, everybody's having a great night themselves. And uh, we're going to get this uh, discussion about black-eyed kids underway in just a few moments uh, when we bring Gary Michael Vazzi in. Again, he's an author, and we'll be talking about black-eyed kids. It's Beyond Reality Radio. I'm J.V. Johnson. Thanks for being here with me. I look forward to a great night with you tonight. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash johaw. That's J-O-H-A-W. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com.
Welcome back to the show. It's Beyond Reality Radio. I'm J.V. Johnson. Thanks for being here. Jason is off tonight. He's under the weather. He's recovering. He should be back with us soon. Um, we've got a great show lined up for you tonight. We're going to be talking about uh, a topic that intrigues listeners of this show, plus the hosts of this show. And that is, of course, black-eyed kids. We're going to talk about more than just black-eyed kids with our guest tonight, Gary Michael Vazzi. He's an author, and we welcome Gary to the program. Hey, it's great to have you on Beyond Reality Radio with us tonight. Hi, how are you doing? Terrific, thank you. Um, what? Um, let's start by at the beginning here. What? Uh, what? And when led you to become interested in these paranormal topics? Well, I, I, when I was growing, <clears throat> when I was growing up, I experienced a, a lot of very strange things and was a, a very frightened kid. Slept with the lights on, head under the covers, that kind of the, kind of thing. We had poltergeist activity in the house. I saw ghosts routinely and. Um, it, it basically terrified the life out of me, and um, I pushed it to one side, got on with my life, and then um, about uh, five or six years ago, um, I started to revisit some of the experiences, and someone said, hey, you should write a book about it. So I did. Um, the book sold pretty well, and I started a website called My Haunted Life 2, where people submitted their um, experiences of their own and, you know, you know the kind of website. And I, I discovered that I was no longer necessarily um, afraid, but now more fascinated and interested in the shared experiences of, of you know, people uh, regarding the paranormal. So basically that's how I got started. Um, these days it takes quite a lot to frighten me. And when, when I go to see a horror movie, I, I end up laughing, to be honest, because... <laughs> Compared to some of the stories, it's not, you know, it's not frightening at all. As you look back on the experiences you had as a child, do you think that you were just, um, you were hypersensitive to what was happening? Or do you think that you were uh, a target or you just had more things going on around you than an average child would have? Well, there's, there's a lot of uh, sensitivity in my family. My, my father's mother was a medium. Uh, she practiced uh, mediumship skills um, for friends and family. And so my father um, also was sensitive, although he suppressed it as well. And he would wake up screaming, fighting off things in the middle of the night. And, you know, he was he was uh, afraid of, of ghosts and phenomena all his life because he experienced them too. So I think, I think um, I, you know, I grew up as a sensitive, sensitive to the, the paranormal world. And I... I, I really think that fear is an emotion that the activity feeds upon. It's the energy that sustains the, you know, it's one of the energies that sustains the, the, the paranormal phenomena. And so if you can learn to suppress the fear, um, you, you can switch it off to some degree. And my father's recommendation to me was, you know, don't don't be scared, get angry, uh, shout and scream and get angry, because if you switch the emotion from fear to anger, there's nothing they can feed off. I don't think that's completely accurate, but it, it, it was an effective um, mechanism to stop the activity when I was a, a teenager. Was there ever an, an instance uh, during those years where you were physically harmed or anyone else in your family received any kind of physical harm from these uh, these um, entities? No, 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 not not really. Um, I mean, the kind of things that, that would happen is, you know, doors opening, footsteps up the stairs, sighs, sounds, 
um, <clears throat> keys would would you know disappear from one place and turn up a couple of days later in the in the bathroom uh, sink. Um, the, the most terrifying experience was coming home from college one night, and, and um, I, I used to get quite as drunk as possible actually to sleep in the house. So I was I was quite woozy on a few beers and sleeping on the floor of my brother's room and. Um, within about five minutes of, of laying down to go to sleep, I was, I was no longer feeling woozy at all because I heard the front door open and I was pretty convinced I'd locked it. Um, and then I heard footsteps and breathing coming up the staircase, uh, as we called it and, you know, creaking floorboards, um, heavy breathing sounds, and then my brother's bedroom door started to open, and at that point I just, you know, yelled. My father came running through, and he said, yeah, I heard it too. So there was definitely something going on in that house, and it was definitely centered around me because I was the one that I guess could see and experience these things, and I was the one that was letting off the fear energy that I think they were they were using. Do you... um? Do you think that, uh, or did you ever have an opportunity to do any investigation of the home, or did anyone do an investigation of the home or research to figure out where that energy might have been coming from, who those entities were, and why they were still there? No, this was back in this is back in the seventies. So I mean, you know, that kind of thing didn't yeah. happen so much. And, and my father was interested. He always he always thought that um, it was a family bible given to him by neighbor. Uh, of his growing up that had like a family tree in it and he didn't like the family that much and he always suspected that this family bible up in the attic um was was the the center of the of, of the phenomena so he took it out and put it in a plastic bag and buried it in the backyard one day but it didn't seem to make much difference <laughs> i don't think he was correct <laughs> so gary you went on to uh, eventually write about those experiences and that was your first book you've got over 40 books if i if i count correctly on paranormal topics but that particular one sharing your experiences was the first one you wrote um actually it wasn't because um the thing i guess i missed is that in my midlife i joined a school of of occult magical studies uh in the uk and i did the five-year correspondence course which was kabbalah and meditation and and this kind of thing and to be honest that really that was really the the thing that stopped me from being frightened because i began to understand that a lot of these phenomena were caused by my personal imbalance and my person you know, me allowing this to happen I, I always say that i was lit up like a christmas tree on the other side you know yeah. Um and my first book was really about taking that magical course and 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 in the course of writing the book I did put in a few of these experiences in my childhood and it was someone said you know you should you should take those experiences and make a separate book so it's called My Haunted Life and um yeah it did quite it did quite well and I was quite pleased with it so I did My Haunted Life 2 and My Haunted Life 3 and before you know it <laughs> You're 40 bucks in. <laughs> well, as you said, you've changed your attitude toward that, that phenomenon. No longer is it fear. It's anger or maybe it's just more of a curiosity anymore. But do you have those experiences anymore? Is, does that stuff still happen to you? Yeah, yeah. It's curiosity these days. I, I mean, things do happen. I, I, I'm, I'm in a hotel right now, um, and I've had a few experiences in hotels. Um, I've also had a, um, an experience on a train, on an overnight train. I live in Europe these days, so I was on the way to Germany 
uh, from the Czech Republic on an overnight train. And I woke up paralyzed, um, so sleep paralysis, with this entity um, on top of me. Mm. And uh, that entity had, in my opinion, uh, certain designs in mind. And I could not move. Um, I could hear the people in the carriage next door. I could feel the motion of the train. I could see the lights through the windows. We passed through the town. And this was quite a terrifying experience. I eventually managed to get out the sleep paralysis. And the entity floated up and sort of sat in the luggage rack uh, staring at me. So I went for a walk and a cup of coffee and, and went back, tried to get back to bed, and the same thing happened again. So I didn't get much sleep that night and I had a bit of an argument with the entity. Um, <laughs> but that one gave that, that experience also, you know, started to gel some ideas about what's going on. So the last couple of three books that I've written um, have started to put, to put forth some ideas about what's going on. And I do believe that there is a, you know, in, in, a, in this reality, there are many other realities that we don't necessarily see or interact with, but there are entities that feed off human energy. And I think those energies are sexual energies and fear energies. And so that's why, where you get these, you know, sucker by, incubi, the sleep paralysis, the old hag, uh, the black eyed kids, uh, shadow people. I, I think all of these entities um, are real and that they feed off human fear energy or human sexual energy or, or whatever it may be. And in this example you just gave us, the experience you had on the train, um, you saw the entity. Is it is it common for you to be able to see these, or is that a rare occasion? For me, it's common um, because I, I, do, I do see things. Now, uh, sometimes I see things that other people don't see, and sometimes I see things that other people also share the experience. And it doesn't happen too much because, um, you know, I've gotten to the point where I, I kind of know how to switch it off. But I think when you check into a hotel room, sometimes you let the barriers down because that's the last thing you expect. And certainly when you're on a, an overnight train in a first-class sleeping compartment, that's the last thing you expect to happen. Yeah. So you, you certainly let your barriers down. Yeah. And this thing, I mean, the best I can describe it, um, once I was fully awake and, and mobile and, and not trapped in sleep paralysis, it was like a cloud of smoke with uh, certainly, you know, eyes. Um, and it, it was definitely malevolent, malevolent. And it definitely had some designs on stealing some of my life energy, yeah. and I wasn't going to have it. So, was, was, it speaking, um, was it speaking to you, or was it just holding you down? No, and- it, it was holding me down. It was um, holding me down um, on my chest, on my legs, and um, I, I mean, I, I don't want to go into too much detail, but there was a definite air of sense of you know something's about to happen here that mm-hmm. I'm not really keen on, and I was desperately trying to break out this sleep paralysis, which I, I did successfully on both occasions, and then after that. Um, I just left the carriage and went for a cup of coffee in the restaurant car and spent the rest of the night there, which was great because 
I had a present business presentation to give the next morning in Frankfurt, and I was in no mood to do anything. You know, I hadn't slept the entire night. <laughs> now, um, we have about uh, uh, 30 seconds here before we have to jump into break. Last night on our program, we uh, talked quite a bit about uh, sleep paralysis, and, and the gentleman we had on was a filmmaker who did a documentary on sleep paralysis. And he was telling us stories of people and what they experienced during these paralyses. Sometimes there's no entity involved. Sometimes there is. Do you think sleep paralysis in itself is always associated with an entity, whether they see this entity or not? My, my I mean, I, I'm not an expert on sleep paralysis, but what I do know that sleep paralysis, the scientists say they've got it all explained, it's all down to sleep paralysis. I said nonsense. Sleep paralysis is how the entity actually gets you uh, in a state that they can deal with you. I think sleep paralysis is induced by the entity. Good point. Okay. We're talking with Gary Michael Vazzi. He's an author. His website is his name, uh, Gary M. Vazzi. It's V-A-S-E-Y dot com. He's got over 40 books on the paranormal. Uh, We're going to be talking about one of those, actually a few of those, but specifically we're going to be talking about black-eyed kids. Looking for our guest's book? Go to Amazon.com slash shop slash JVJ Taps. Tonight we're talking with Gary Michael Vazzi. He's an author. His website is his name, GaryMVazzi.com. He's got over 40 books about the paranormal and the strange, including the chilling true terror of the black-eyed kids. We're going to be talking about black-eyed kids in a little bit uh, as we continue our conversation with Gary. Gary, before we went to the break, you were talking about your experiences, and you've come to the conclusion, which I think a lot of people have, that these entities, particularly the malicious or malevolent, malevolent kind, feed off human energy, mostly in the form of emotions. You mentioned fear, sexual energy. Are there any other emotions that feed, in your estimation, feed this uh, uh, entity activity at all? Yeah, depression and anxiety. (laughs) Right. I I think depression and anxiety can often be, um, you know, related to uh, entity activity. I mean, they don't necessarily have to appear or, or... um, you know, be um, visible, they can still be active in your life and feeding off of you without you actually knowing about it, which um, I think sometimes manifests itself as psychological-type illnesses. Um, they're sort of parasite, para, psychic parasites, if you want. Um, so, so definitely, uh, I think these things do exist. I think they do feed off emotional energy. And I think positive emotional energy tends to drive them away. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot of exercises when I was studying uh, with the School of Magic, um, how to cleanse the aura of, of paras- parasitic entities, that kind of thing. And if, if you read, as I have done, some of the um, magical sort of texts, People like Franz Baden, who's quite a famous Czech uh, magician. Uh, you can buy his books. He he talks about parasitic entities that attach themselves, you know, and manifest. They manifest as as certain psychological conditions. You know, you bring up a good point. Um, you know, we often talk about the obvious attachments, the ones that either uh, make their presence known overtly. Or, um, you know, they can be seen or something along those lines. But frequently those attachments come in the form of something much more subtle, but they still have an effect on people. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, the, that's, that's basically what you call like a par- parasitic entity that, that latches onto you and, and you carry it around through your life. And, 
it manifests itself in in some negative aspect of your personality. So it may be anger, maybe depression, but it's always going to be some kind of a negative uh, emotional aspect that it feeds from and encourages in your psyche. Um, so you know, there's a way to there's a way to try to get rid of stuff like that, which you, you can just imagine your aura and and basically imagine like a laser light going around your body, and and sort of exterminating all of these parasites, so to speak. You... Uh, I mean, it's interesting because I think thoughts create reality, uh, and so it, it's kind of a circular argument that um, you know entities um, manifest themselves and will attach themselves to you. Um, but it's your thoughts, it's your emotions, and it's your personality that that creates them in some instances and sustains them. Um, so, so what do I mean by create them? I mean you can actually manif- create this thing as a thought form, fill it with energy, and give it life, and carry it around with you without actually knowing that it's there. Do you have advice or a recommendation for somebody who thinks they may have some type of attachment, some type of parasitic entity, uh, but they're not sure how to tell whether that's the case? Do you recommend they actually just assume they do and and use one of the methods you mentioned, or is there a way to confirm or uh, pursue it in a little more scientific way? To my to my knowledge, I, I mean, oh, I would just assume and go ahead and try to cleanse the aura. Um, and try to cleanse, you know, try to cleanse my thinking. Try to be more positive. And there are certain exercises that you can do um, that, are, that that are freely available in, in in you know all kinds of books to cleanse the aura. You can find them on the internet. So I mean, it, it's quite easy to find these things. Um, one of the things I do with a place uh, is I, I do what's called the um, the pentagram ritual, which is also on the internet, etc., and it basically imagine invokes the four in- angels uh, and cleanses the room. And I found that to be very, very effective. Um, my ex-partner and I bought an apartment in Brno, in the Czech Republic, where I live, and I- I'd never felt comfortable there. And despite doing massive renovations, I, I just did not feel comfortable. There was something not right about that place. So I, when she was out, I, I cleansed all the rooms. And it felt a lot better. And uh, about, uh, and then we split up, and I sold my half to her. And, um, I live elsewhere, and I was with with our daughter, and and I got this um, text message with a photograph uh, from my ex. She had been sitting on the sofa, feeling quite depressed and quite down. And then she'd started to take photographs of the place because she was looking to rent one of the rooms out for a little extra cash. And the photograph quite clearly showed uh, uh, some kind of entity sitting on the sofa where she had been sitting. And I wasn't surprised at all to see this thing. She was. uh, So we had to re-cleanse the apartment um, and try again. But that's the kind of that's the kind of thing I think. I think some entities are like thought forms that you, you create yourself through your own thinking, your own thought processes, your own logic and structure of how you live. Um, and some are external and uh, malevolent and are looking for an opportunity to exploit. So you know the the, the first type uh, are not necessarily so difficult to deal with because it involves 
It involves cleaning yourself. It involves cleaning out your personality, understanding who you are and what you're about and where your negative emotions are coming from. And there are lots of exercises that I say you can, you can find on the Internet to, to achieve that um, kind of thing. Lots of different ways, both scientific counseling, you know, psycho, psychological counseling, through to, you know, the more magical type techniques. Um, but dealing with external entities uh, is a little bit more difficult, I think. Do you think there's a religious component to any of this? Um, obviously, we know there's such thing as uh, exorcisms uh, that uh, that the church performs. Um, do you believe that that is any different than what you've been talking about? And do these entities have some type of religious uh, connection? Well, I mean, I think those entities would exist whether or not religion did. Um, so perhaps that's the answer. But I think religion... Um, has been exposed to dealing with some of these entities throughout, you know, several thousand years of human history, and therefore they've developed some very useful techniques and approaches to uh, get rid of these unwanted um, elements, particularly the more demonic, as we might call them, um, in the form of an exorcism. And I do believe exorcism, if done correctly, can be highly effective. I think the whole process of doing exorcism, though, and, and um, you know, appealing to the church for, for help carries its own risks because it kind of magnifies the, it magnifies the problem in, in a way, in the sense that, um, you know, it takes on a different um, sort of perspective. Um, and, and you've only got to think about some of the some of the movies, some of the Hollywood versions of exorcisms to see what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. Um, so, you know, exorcism is, I mean, I, I perform those pentagram rituals are really a form of exorcism, but for a space or a person. Um, so I do do that. Uh, I do find it highly effective. Uh, the ritual comes from, you know, a couple of hundred years of, of um, Golden Dawn type uh, magical practice. Uh, but I, I actually have come to the conclusion that what is effective is often what you make effective. And it's back to thoughts, you know, your thoughts create your own reality. So if you believe that, um, if you believe that, um, you know, you, you have to go to your church and get your minister to do this, and that's the only way it's, gonna, it's going to work, then let me tell you, that is the only way it's going to work, because that's what you believe. And that's the reality that you live in and the reality that you're creating. That's an excellent if point. You think, I'm sorry, that's yeah. uh, that's an excellent point. And we're hearing more and more, more, and more people who study and follow uh, these types of phenomena come to that conclusion. Yeah, that's the conclusion I've come to, is that, you know, we really do not understand. When it's, you know, when you read uh, religious texts, uh, and, you know, we are the image of God, um, whoever and whatever God is. I, I think, as you know, we, we underestimate our capabilities as, as humans. We, we are cre- creative beings. We live in a universe where our thoughts create reality. Sometimes they manifest physically. Sometimes they don't manifest physically, but remain on, on the, the sort of thought level. But those thoughts have energy, and if, if you keep sustaining them with more negative or positive energy, then you give them life, and sometimes you give them life independent of yourself. So,
So, you know, you have to be really careful um, what you're thinking and how you're behaving, and you have to really examine your inner self and what motivates you and, and learn to understand yourself. This is why in, if you do study magic, one of the first things that you will hear is know thyself. Um, and it, it literally is a tearing away at the layers and layers and layers of lies that you've, you've put around yourself and society has put around yourself and trying to find the real you that, you know, that strip away the, 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 the parental influence, get rid of the cultural influence and strip yourself down and start again because you have been, from the minute you were born, you're building yourself in the image of your parents, the culture that you were born into, the church that you go to, the people that you're with, the music that you listen to. And by the time you get to your middle age, um, you really rather um, set in your ways. And this is when, you know, this is the problem. We need to be much more fluid and we need to understand the power of our thinking, the power of our mind and our ability to create reality, in my opinion. Our guest tonight, Gary Michael Vazzi, he's an author. He's got over 40 books to his credit on strange and fascinating topics, including what we're about to talk about, the black-eyed kids. Gary, uh, for definition's sake, other than the obvious, children with black eyes, what are black-eyed children? Good question. I'd, I'd actually never heard of them until about two years ago when someone submitted an experience to, to the site, and it was about the only only story I'd heard in a long time that, that really gave me the chills, actually. But they, they seem to follow a sort of modus operandi. So these are small kids that show up on your doorstep, usually in the early hours of the morning without adults. They'll be between the ages of 6 and 12. Usually there's more than one. Um, they are usually dressed formally, um, maybe in old-fashioned clothing. Um, they will ask to use the telephone, the telegraph. Um, they'll use all kinds of excuses to gain entry to the, the home. There's certainly a hypnotic uh, sort of aspect to the experience. There are electrical disturbances. Uh, the person, the homeowner, usually has a, a sense of dread, even though they're confronted with small, harmless kids. Uh, it's only when they see the black eyes that uh, they can put a name to that dread. Um, there are very few accounts of them being let in, but the one or two that do exist are not necessarily positive because the people who let them in developed serious illnesses, cancers, their pets died, all this kind of thing. And it's it's really quite a terrifying, um, quite a terrifying story. But as as I did the research into it, because I was trying, I was at the time I was trying to, you know, understand what these things might be as well. And I, I came to the conclusion that they are de- demonic type entities that are feeding off human energy, and it's just another manifestation of of, of a, a sort of demonic entity. And I, as I started to, as I was doing the research. Um, Brian Bethel's account in Texas in the, I think it was the late 80s, is always thought to have started this urban myth type uh, thing off around black-eyed kids. But what I discovered was that if you dig, you'll find black-eyed kids stories going back uh, to the turn of the century and even further back than that. And this idea of a black-eyed, you know, pale sort of looking child 
um, is something that's been with humanity for an awful long time. The Native, Native American, some Native American Indians, for example, have always believed in um, black-eyed kids in the forest that um, that would, you know, hunt you down and, and steal your energy. And and this idea of black eyes and small kids, I think, is just um, it's 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 kind of like um, a manifestation of humanity's ultimate fear, you know, or, or one version of humanity's ultimate fear, and it's been with us since since the very beginning. Do we think, and I know we don't have any answers here, but uh, from the stories that you have been told and the information you have collected, do you think these are human children that have somehow been possessed, or are they they inhuman in some way? It's a good question, and, and I don't think there's any definitive answer, but I, I, I suspect the latter uh, in many instances, because the kind, the kind of... Um, at the sort of aspect of the story that you often get get a glimpse of is that only the person answering the door really saw the kids. Um, so it's almost as if it's only the person who who interacts with the black-eyed kids that sees them. Um, same thing with, with black-eyed ad- adults, and there are a lot of black-eyed adult stories around. It seems that it's only the person having the interaction that necessarily sees the black eyes or sees uh, the black-eyed person. So, I, I, you know, I go for the latter, but I don't think there's any definitive proof uh, either way. <clears throat> We've got about a minute before we have to go to the top of the hour break. I want to give you that opportunity to tell folks uh, where they can find more information about your work. Obviously, we gave the website, but give it again. Any social media you have and where they can get a hold of the books. And then on the other side of the break, we'll continue talking about the Black Eyed Kids. Okay, so um, actually, myhauntedlife2.com, and that's T-O-O, not T-W-O. Myhauntedlife2.com is, is the website that people submit the stories to and has lots of stories and all my books. And then garymvasey.com um, is, is the other website, which is my personal blog. And the books are all available on Amazon, um, usually in Kindle, paperback, and sometimes audio format. Uh, Friday, of course, is a best of program on Beyond Reality Radio. I do want to mention that I will be traveling to Hudson, Ohio with Rebecca Foster. And the two of us will be attending an event called Dark Xmas. And she will be giving psychic readings on site. Um, We'll be taking pictures, signing autographs, doing a presentation at 2 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Uh, It's going to be a great weekend. A lot of other celebrities will be in attendance as well. So if you're anywhere near Cleveland, Come visit us at uh, Dark Xmas. It's at the Norwood Inn and Suites Conference Center in Hudson, Ohio. We've got a great show. We'll bring our guest back in in just a moment. Gary Michael Vassie is our uh, guest. He's an author. We'll be talking about black-eyed kids. Um, I did mention that tomorrow night Bruce Markison will be here talking with Justin Elledge, who is a human MRI, the human MRI. He's a medical intuitive talking about medical intuition and its application to modern health challenges and new discoveries, and practices for enhancing clarity of mind, body, and spirit. Friday is a best-of program. Monday, Seth Shostak, or Shostak will be with us. He's an astronomer talking about the search for intelligent life in the cosmos. That's always a fascinating conversation. Looking forward to that. Um, if you get a moment, please stop by the website, beyondrealityradio.com. The Beyond Reality Radio coffee mug is available there. It makes a fantastic holiday gift for anyone on your holiday 
gift list, particularly offices. I mean, you've got it like you get gifts or somebody in your office, you know, like a secret Santa thing. I don't know what you do in your office, but it's a great gift for an office Christmas party. It's a Beyond Reality Radio coffee mug. You'll see it right there on the website. And also stop by the Facebook page, like it, Beyond Reality Radio. And also stop by my, by my personal page, JV Johnson, or you can find it as JVJ Paranormal on Facebook. Love to have you like that as well so you can keep track of all the things that I'm up to and the show is up to. A lot of great stuff. So our guest tonight, Gary Michael Vazzi, is an author. He has over 40 books on paranormal topics, many about hauntings, many about black-eyed kids and other topics. And Gary, before we went to break, we were talking about the black-eyed kids. And I'd asked the question if they're human uh, humans that were possessed, therefore, uh, you know, exhibiting those strange, char- strange characteristics, or they were inhuman. You tended to lean toward the latter, even though we don't have any real specific uh, information that will give us the answers to that question. But as these stories were related to you, you said you kind of stumbled upon them when somebody gave you a story uh, when you were looking for more, I think, haunting-type stories, and they gave you this black-eyed children's story. Where did that story come from? Do you know where it occurred, what country, what if it was in the United States, what state, or um, is that still a mystery? It came from the U.S., and the vast majority of the stories seem to come from, I would guess, the southern states, the United States. Uh, not all, but that's definitely where most of the stories seem to originate. And, Texas, Oklahoma, that kind of area. And you had said that um, that uh, while the reports seem to have, uh, some people believe they started in the 80s, they actually go back f- much further than that. Um, are there reports in uh, Native American culture, I think you mentioned there might be, of similar phenomena? Yeah, so, uh, the, in, in Native American culture, there is this sort of legend of uh, kids in the woods that um, would basically um, steal your life energy, and they were described as having black eyes and, and pale skin. Uh, there are other uh, mentions in myth and legend of, of small children with black eyes and, and pale skin. So it's definitely a, a sort of form that's been around a while. And I've come across accounts even in France and the UK, you know, dating to 1900s of strange children with black eyes that people have come across. But the sort of, I call it the modus operandi. The modus operandi of the story is, is often quite different depending on the geography. So the the typical on-the-doorstep um, type story seems to be more emanating from the U.S. Um, in, in other countries like the U.K., uh, the stories are often slightly different. So you have the black-eyed, the black-eyed kid of Cannock Chase, which is a forest, I think it's south of Birmingham, well, there was a lot of reports and sightings of a black-eyed ghost child. Um, but the, the, the description of, of the kid was very, very similar, except in this instance it was a ghost and not, not a physical uh, child. Uh, and this entity also was asking to be, let, to be let in or assisted. And this concept, as you might know, this concept of asking to be let in is, is basis, basically how... Uh, you give permission to the to the entity to enter you. Um, so, you know, the last thing you want to do is confronted by a black-eyed kid or a black-eyed adult that says, let me into your car, I need a ride, or let me into your house because I need to use your telephone. Do not do that because you are granting them permission to cross the threshold. 
And that's an old way of saying, possess me. I imagine it's going to be very, very difficult if you're confronted with uh, this um, occurrence and a, a, a child is acting as though it's in need um, to try to define that line to, to determine whether or not this is an actual child in need or this is a, 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 some type of entity that is looking to gain access. Um, I mean, other than the black eyes, you don't have a lot to go on, do you? You don't, you don't. But uh, everybody, everybody who's had this experience will tell will will tell you that they already know that there is some sense of doom, pending doom, some some sort of second sense of danger that permeates the atmosphere. And these kids are not normal kids. They're not like dressed in t-shirts and shorts. They're often wearing dark suits. Uh, maybe 18th century looking type suits. They speak in strange, in strange monotones with, uh, you know, repeating over and over, we need to come in, we, you know, let us in. So I, I think it soon becomes apparent that this is not a normal child on the doorstep. And, and anyway, um, you know, uh, at two o'clock in the morning, I, I suspect very few 10 year olds are out and about. Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Um, as far as paranormal paranormal phenomena go, I mean, you've collected stories about hauntings and other other occurrences. Um, these black eyed children appearances seem kind of rare in the scheme of things, aren't they? They they are rare, um, and they seem to go in waves. Um, and they do, I, you know. I I, I suspect that, um, particularly in the U.S., I, I suspect that. Some of the stories are probably not true um, because I, you know, I, I get a sense that there's that some stories are repeated over and over again, and that's where the myth, the urban myth bit comes from. But at the heart of the story, there's definitely a phenomenon that exists that's been reported in other parts of the world and been reported, you know, well before 1988, um, and. There are variations on it. I mean, I, I would I, I would love to know what's with Walmart parking lots because um, half the stories that you get about black-eyed adults, they're, they're loitering around in Walmart parking lots. Really? <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah. That makes it interesting. They go there for <laughs> the sales. One of the I don't things know. I noticed, you know, <laughs> how many... How many stories take place in a Walmart parking lot? Uh, and uh, definitely that seems to be a place to, to come across black-eyed adults. And some of the stories are quite weird. I mean, you know, lady shopper leaving Walmart and she sees what looks like a homeless guy sitting on, 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 the, uh, on the pavement, you know, on the sidewalk. And as she walks by, the, the, the man looks up and calls her by her name. I mean, imagine how scary yeah. that is. And then oh, you yeah. look down at this person because you're shocked that a homeless person would know your name. And this individual has completely black eyes. Wow. I mean, I'd be out of there. I'd be out of there in milliseconds, wouldn't yeah. you? <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned that uh, on the few occasions where people reported having let these children in, been tricked by them, if you will, um, that there's been tragedy involved with those. Yeah, I mean, I, I searched and searched and searched because I was convinced that there must be a lot of people have, that have let these kids in. And I only came across a couple of stories, and, and both of them are fairly well documented on the Internet. <clears throat> and in both instances, excuse me, in both instances, the results weren't very good. In one instance, it was an older couple that let them in, and the, the husband became ill and, and later passed away, and the pets all died, and... 
um, you know, everything went horribly wrong. Uh, and in, in, in the other instance, it was a similar story. Um, and, you know, I mean, okay, maybe there's a, there's a sort of um, a, a salesy element to it, but with, with so many people disappearing uh, every year in the United States, you've got to ask yourself if these things really do exist. Yes. And uh, the work in your neighborhood is that where your neighbors disappeared, you know, because there are there are a couple of reports of um, black eyed kids in the neighborhood and then families disappearing um, and, and never being seen again. Now, whether you can link the two things together or not, it's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's a stretch. But um, one can imagine that if if they if they are knocking on people's doors, then somebody must be letting them in. What's happening to them? It's certainly a question worth asking. Um, have you noticed any pattern of the appearance of these black-eyed children with other paranormal phenomena in the area, like you know UFO sightings or uh, uh, ghostly or demonic uh, uh, situations that may be close by? Anything, any patterns that you've picked up in these stories? I haven't picked up any. I mean, I, I know that some people like to link black-eyed kids with with you know, UFOs and alien hybrids and all this kind of stuff. I haven't come across any, I haven't seen that. It uh, doesn't mean to say it doesn't, that pattern doesn't exist, but I haven't seen that pattern. And I'm not as interested in, in the UFO side of things anyway. So maybe I wouldn't because I'm not looking for it. But there definitely does seem to be areas of the world where there is a lot more activity than others. And, and I would say, you know, the southern U.S., that we, we certainly get far more stories of, of other types of incidents there than almost anywhere else. Things like um, the couple that are, that are driving to see their relatives in Texas, I think from Oklahoma or somewhere like that, cross, crossing country by car, and they decide... Just for once, they'll they'll not take the the freeway. They'll they'll take a more scenic route if there is such a thing in that part of the world, just to you know break the monotony. And they start to run out of gas, and as they come around the corner, um, they see a, a gas station, and they pull in, and the woman gets out and and goes into the store, and she begins to notice that it's it's a very oldie worldy type store. There's dust cobwebs and, and it's a very strange place. The Coke cans are old-fashioned and all this kind of stuff. And she starts to become alarmed and she goes out as a young boy uh, talking to her husband who's filling, trying to fill the car with gas and he, he keeps asking the husband to take him fishing. And the whole thing just doesn't feel right. So they manage to escape from the, from the, the young child and, and drive away and, and they get about another couple of miles down the road and pull into a cafe because they're pretty shaken up by the whole thing. And they get talking to the waitress about the gas station down the road, and she's looking at them blankly saying, I've lived here 20 years, and there's been a gas station down there. Ooh. <laughs> so little stories like that. <laughs> yeah, that'll send shivers down your spine. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, one more question before we have to go to break here. Um, you mentioned... Uh, black-eyed adults as well are the black-eyed adults yeah. and the black-eyed children in your estimation the same being you know whatever that is we don't know what it is but the same being come from the same source and it just uh, i'm assuming that as a child it probably has more success in gaining access to homes or wherever it's trying to get to but are they do uh, you think they're the same thing 
I do. Yeah, I, th- I think it's the same entity. Um, and I think you're right. I think the child strategy works better, but the homeless person, you know, the the the, the guy down on luck is another way to uh, to do to achieve the same objective. Right, gain some sympathy. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, um, and you know, black. Go ahead. Sorry, black eyes are also um, something that sometimes crop up in in people who are really angry. I mean, I, I put in the book a couple of accounts by a psychologist on people with, you know, anger issues and how their eyes will sometimes turn black. And I think that's uh, another sign of, of, you know, that anger immersion is a negative energy that is fed upon and can eventually uh, result in a different form of, you know, possession if you want. We're talking with Gary Michael Vasey. He's an author, and his website is his name, GaryMVasey.com. Plus, he's got another site that you should check out, My Haunted Life 2, T-O-O. Dot com. He's got over 40 books on the paranormal, including the one we're talking about right now, which is one of a couple that he's written on black-eyed kids, the chilling true terror of the black-eyed kids. We're going to continue our conversation with Gary after the break. The phone number is 844-687-7669 if you would like to join our conversation. Don't go away. A lot more to come. Welcome back. It's Beyond Reality Radio. I'm J.V. Johnson. Jason is off tonight. Stop by my Facebook page. Give it a like, J.V. Johnson on Facebook. Or you can find me at J.V.J. Paranormal, either way i'll show up love to have you follow what i'm doing on facebook and other social media tonight we're talking with gary michael vazzi he's an author and uh he's written 40 plus books on topics that we frequently discuss on this program including the one we have been talking about black-eyed kids but i kind of want to change the subject here gary i want to i want to talk about um your experience in the czech republic you lived there for a while and you actually wrote a book about it uh i think the book was called the most haunted country in the world the czech republic tell us about tell us about those experiences well, I still do live in the Czech Republic. I've lived there for the last 12 years. I used to live in Texas, would you believe? So I've <laughs> okay. been uh, globetrotting. I yeah, spent yeah. 20 years in Texas and now 12 in Czech Republic. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a country that's basically founded in myth and legend. And, and of course, I, in the book, I cover off, um, you know, some of the, some of the more touristy stories about Prague, uh, as you might imagine, because there's a lot of, Good ghost stories about Prague that go along with the ghost tours for the tourists and things, and how much of that is real and how much of that is just for the tourists is up to you to decide, I guess. But um, no, what what really fascinates me um, about the Czech Republic is, is um, that there is a castle uh, called Hoska um, Castle, which um, is built... Architecturally, it is built to keep something in as opposed to keep people out. Wow. And uh, the legends surrounding the area are that, that, that there was a hole in the rock and that this was a gateway to hell and that creatures would, would periodically escape from this hole, uh, this, you know, come out from hell and, um, you know, harry and, and cause problems uh, with the local community throughout history. So eventually the hole was sealed and a small chapel built over the top, and then the castle uh, was built uh, facing inwards to stop anything escaping from this hole. So it's, it's called Hoska Castle. Uh, it's quite well uh, documented on, on the Internet if, if people are interested in, in you know, finding out more. It's, it's become, unfortunately, it's become a little touristy, but when you do go inside the chapel, 
um, certainly there is what I would define as an earth energy. Um, it's, it's a very raw earth energy um, that I pick up there, and, and I'm not necessarily convinced it's negative energy. Um, I think it's just an earth, a natural earth energy like, you know, like you would find in the UK along ley lines and that kind of thing. But uh, there's some interesting there's some interesting artwork on on the walls of the chapel, left handed um, left handed uh, half men, half beasts, shooting arrows at women, and it's it's a it's quite a fascinating place and certainly well worth a visit. I think most people who go to the Czech Republic never leave Prague, and and that's a real shame because there's quite a lot of good stuff in the country. And then, you know, I covered off where I live, which is Brno, because there's a lot of good, a lot of good ghost stories there. And, and I also talked about the myth and legends, because often, um, you know, in, in the myth and legends of a country, the founding myths and all this kind of thing is, is a lot of interesting paranormal and even occult type uh, content. So the book is, is a compilation of, of, you know, different stories, um, uh, around Prague, Brno, some of the other cities, and, and coverage of some personal experiences and, and other people's experiences uh, in the country. It's it's a nice place, um, well worth a visit, and I do still live there. Now, as you spend time in the chapel that we were just talking about, um, and you with your heightened sensitivity, uh, did you see anything, any entities that might give you any indication of where what that hole is about and where they're coming from? Uh, no, the only thing I felt is, is as I say, um, a, a kind of natural earth energy, as if it's. I, I, as I say, it's it's like when I'm in the UK and and if you go to like a, a stone circle or, or a, where two two or three ley lines may cross, that kind of thing. It's the same kind of energy. It's the kind of natural energy that our ancestors would have would have you know um, made something of uh, with a stone circle or, or, or barrows or whatever. And in the, you know in this instance, I, I didn't feel it was negative. It didn't give me a it didn't give me a negative vibe. So my guess is is you know it's just it's just a, a natural energetic uh, area and. Um, I'm sure that um, that kind of energy can be used uh, by you know the people living in the area to to create things that um, you know that, that are part of legend now. So, to my mind, I mean, to my mind, it wasn't a negative place at all. It, it was just a raw, natural earth energy. Um, but uh, other people in history have experienced. I mean, one of the stories is is that. Um, a king, one of the kings wanted to investigate what was actually down the hole. And, and so the story goes that they, they lowered a convicted criminal down the hole. And he only got about 10 meters down and they heard a bunch of screams. And when they pulled him up, his hair had turned white and he died, died of shock 24 oh, hours a, later. That's a great story. <laughs> that is a great story. So, you know, that, that's the kind, that's the kind of myth and mystery that surrounds Hoska. And, and of course, the castle is interesting because it, Quite correctly, I mean that the 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 castle was designed plainly designed to keep something in, as opposed to repel you know invaders from outside. So that's also interesting. But for me, I, I didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't something you know where where my my hair, hair stood on end, and, and I was I was 
thinking, you know, demonic or satanic type entity. No, it was normal. To me, it was more natural earth energy. I've got to ask you I mean, about if you, if you want, go, go ahead. If you want to experience a very negative um, energy, the, the um, I forget the name of the place now, but in the UK, the, um, the, there's a bunch of caves that were, were made by some um, rich guy in the 18th, 17th century, um, Hellfire Club Caves. Um, if you go there and you go down to the bottom of those caves, then you'll feel demonic energy. That's a place that I, oh. that I really would avoid. So, uh, uh, the no, Hellfire Caves y- in England. Yeah, I've heard of I've heard of those. Um, a lot of people mm. in our chat room have checked out your website, and and there's a book that they're asking about: Paranormal Sex, Writing the Old Hag. What is this about? <laughs> what is this about? Well, to be honest, I've changed the title of that thing three times because it it just has not sold very well. Uh, and I always thought, you know, anything that mentioned sex would sell well. <laughs> right. <laughs> so apparently I'm the exception that proves the rule. <laughs> this is the one that looks at succubi, incubi, and um, basically what we talked about earlier. It starts with my experience on the train of the um, of the entity and sleep paralysis, and it, it, it taught, you know, getting to sleep paralysis, the old hag, which is the the entity that sits on top of you, and you know, you can't breathe, uh, suff- feel suffocated. There's a link there with shadow people as well, and also with succubi, incubi, uh, and those kind of entities. And, I, and and to be honest, I you know, I kind of come to the, the conclusion we already discussed, which is that. Um, Sleep paralysis, to me, is the way that these entities, um, you know, get you in a state that they can do what they need to do with you in terms of stealing your energy. So, and it's it's also the book where I, I look into um, some of the stories that have been in the media recently. I don't know on your side of the pond, but on our side of the pond, there's some some lady saying that she's had sex with 20 ghosts and now she's chosen one and they're marrying and they're going to have a child. Yeah, we've talked about and, that. Yeah. And there's, yeah, there's been a lot of this just recently. So so it does cover that sort of ghost sex um, in, in a sort of humorous way, I would say. But the, the, the whole con- the point of the book is really to look at sleep paralysis and whether sleep paralysis explains the phenomena or whether... Sleep paralysis is how the entity can gain access to you in a state that, you know, they've got you in a state that um, they can do something with you. I would go for the latter because my personal experience and other people's experience is that the the thing that sits on you, the old hag or, or the entity, doesn't go away when you wake up. So if it's part of sleep paralysis, it's some you know, continued, continued waking dream, how come I can see this thing for the next 20 minutes after I've had a couple of cups of coffee and been to the bathroom? It uh, doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think it's the other way around. I think the entity uses sleep paralysis in order to uh, create an atmosphere in which it can extract that energy from you that it's looking for. Now, you've got a new book out. Um, I'm not sure if it's released yet. Motel Hell, has that been released? I think it's out today. Um, oh, today. Okay. It's pre-released. I think it's today or tomorrow that's out. And This one, I, I struggled, actually. After doing the Black Eyed Kids and, and the and the Paranormal and stuff like this, I, I struggled for, for um, you know, like a topic because 
after that, what, what uh, you know, where do you go from there? Right. And so I didn't actually write anything um, necessarily for about a year. Uh, and then um, I was trying to put together a, a sort of hotel book, you know, Ghosts in Hotels, because a couple of experiences myself. And I'd written that first chapter. And, I, and then I started looking at the Internet and thinking, well, you know, the, the Internet's full of top ten haunted hotels in Texas and top ten haunted hotels in London. Who wants another book about that? So I kind of gave up on it. And then I started looking at TripAdvisor and Yelp and places like this. And I started to find all these reviews. Um, you know, some of them are documented, but not all. Um, so I thought, well, there's an idea. Um, so I started to look at all these reviews. And, of course, some of them are quite terrifying, but some of them are kind of humorous, you know, um, don't stop in this hotel because at two o'clock in the morning a ghost a ghost peed in my bathroom. You know, <laughs> so it, it's it's a kind of tongue in it's 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 a tongue in cheek type book. It's hopefully it's both a little funny and also there are some quite terrifying uh, hotel reviews in there as well. It does cover some of the usual um, hotels, but also you know just hotels around the world where I found uh, an interesting review or two left by people that actually stayed there. So that's, it's a fun little book and I enjoyed doing it and hopefully people will enjoy reading it. Can, we'll see. Do you remember off the top of your head uh, an example of maybe one in the United States that made the list? Uh, well, the, um, the, the Colorado place. The uh, Stanley um, Hotel? You know, where, yeah, that made the list. Um, another one in... Um, Oh, what's it called? I apologize. It's early in the morning. It's still only six o'clock in the morning here. So my memory is not working very well. But, <laughs> but another another classic hotel, I think, in Chicago, um, got, had, a, had a lot of reviews that were, were quite interesting. Many of them, not necessarily it's haunted, but mm-hmm. sort of like, you know, why are some of the rooms padlocked with chains? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a little, little you know, ominous. This is yeah. not a hotel I want to stay in when I walk down the corridor and I find whole sections of the hotel <laughs> are off limits because of paranormal activity and there's padlocks and chains attached to the doors so you can't get in. You know? You've also written about uh, some of the most infamous uh, poltergeist cases, uh, Enfield, the Bell Witch. I mean, you've got a, you've looked into a lot of those and those are pretty fascinating too. Yeah, well, the poltergeist interest was basically because of some of the experience. Again, you know, I, it, what happens with all of these books is is I, I base it on some experience I've had and then start looking around to see, you know, what else there is. And I end up with some kind of a book. So, yeah, I've done the poltergeist thing. Uh, and there was a, there's a great one in the Czech Republic, actually, where, you know, hammers were thrown at the workmen, um, you know the, the the round saws that you use. Um, I forget the actual yes. technical name, but Cir- it's like circular you know, it's a round spinning blade, circular saw. That's right. Yep. Circular saw stuck six inches into the wall by somebody's head. Um, you know, a very very dangerous type poltergeist outbreak in the Czech Republic as as this particular house was being renovated and turned into a, a guest house. Um, so so there's some good stories in that book. I also, um, you know, wrote a book about bilocation, um, which started with my mum calling me saying, you know, why am I seeing my sister? She's not dead. 
should I be worried? And I, you know, I'm like, well, what do you mean seeing his sister? She's, well, I've, I've seen my sister, the ghost of my sister three times in the last two weeks, but she's still alive. <clears throat> so, excuse me. So I started looking into that and I got into the whole bilocation. You know how some of the saints were reputed to have been in the same place at yep. the same, you know, two different places at the same time. The yep. same thing with some of the occultists and alchemists of, you know, 16th right. century. And so I, I did a whole book called Ghosts of the Living, uh, looking at bilocation. And, and again, I came to an interesting potential conclusion that you can put yourself in, um, you can put yourself in a state of mind where you can put yourself in a state of mind where you're lost in thought and you're thinking about someone at distance, and maybe you end up bilocating, unco- you know, unconsciously. Um, and being in two places at one time. So that's the, the idea behind that particular book. And I really enjoyed writing that one. Well, and it's been quite successful, too. Well, it's been a fascinating discussion, Gary. Uh, we're out of time here. One more time, give your websites where people can find all of your work. Yeah, I, I think uh, if, if you're interested in all of my work, it's garymvc.com. Uh, and if you're interested in... You know, some of the stories that get submitted, it's My Haunted Life 2, T-O-O, uh, dot com, and that's where you'll, you'll find also a list of the books. And you can submit your own stories and experiences, and we'll post them on the website. Uh, we enjoy reading them, and uh, I work with a, a, a partner on that site. It's good fun. And we also um, tie up with um, Weird Darkness podcast series as well. So if you submit your story to the site, usually it gets picked up by the podcast uh, reader, Darren Marler, and goes out as his Weird Darkness podcast as well. So it's a lot of fun, um, very interesting, um, and, you know, what can I tell you? You create your own reality. You do, and uh, we've already got people in the chat room saying we've got to have you back on, so hopefully you'll agree to do that at some point. Absolutely. No problem at all. All right. If you liked it. Great. Thanks so much, Gary. It's a pleasure talking to you. Look forward to having you back and uh, good luck on everything you're working on. Again, check out the website, check out his work. It's Gary. Uh, mfazi.com v-a-s-e-y tomorrow night bruce markison will be in t- uh, for both of us he'll be interviewing justin l edge and justin is a medical intuitive he'll be talking about medical intuition and its application to modern health challenges going to be a great conversation with bruce markison that's tomorrow night's program thanks for being here um if uh, i won't talk to you unless i see you in hudson ohio so if you're around cleveland come visit hudson ohio rebecca foster and i will be there otherwise have a great weekend and we'll catch you next week it's beyond reality radio have a great night beyond reality radio is hosted by jason hawes and jv johnson and produced by alexandria johnson and slick eddie edwards for intercom radio beyond reality radio is distributed by westwood one radio networks Stop by our Facebook page and say hello. Follow the hosts on Facebook as well. For Jason Hawes, follow at JasonHawes.taps. For JV Johnson, follow at JVJ Paranormal. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Radio or you have a suggestion for a guest, contact Slick Eddie Edwards at SlickEddieEdwards at gmail.com. Be sure to visit our chat room as well at BeyondRealityRadio.com. Thanks for listening.